my name is Kelly, and uh, I'm the worship pastor here at Missio. And uh, before I get going, um, I do want to throw out just a quick um, warning, if you will, um, especially for those that have children in the room. Um, one of the things I'm going to talk about today is sex, and I do want to just get that out in front, um, just in case any of you uh, might not be quite ready to have that conversation um, with your little one. Uh, now would be a good time to go check out the CEO kids, or uh, I don't think that's what they're talking about today. But, um, anyway, they don't want to catch anybody off guard. So, um, but before we get to the good stuff, um, I do want to just share a quick story uh, from my holiday break. Uh, to celebrate the new year, uh, my family and I went to my parents' house in Redmond, Oregon. And uh, we opened some Christmas presents with the kids, uh, we played some board games. Uh, just kind of hung out for a couple of days, and when I was there, I noticed that they had a scale in their bathroom, and I think very wisely, we do not keep a scale in our home, um, and so I don't really have a good, like, bead on what my weight is, so for some reason, I decided to step on the scale at my parents' house, and uh, I'm not going to get into specifics. But I was a little bit surprised at uh, how robust the number was that came up. And um, it made me uh, want to talk to my wife, Becky, about uh, some New Year's resolutions, which well, I rarely ever make New Year's resolutions. Um, but we talked a little bit about uh, how we exercise and how we eat. And to be fair, that's something that Becky is trying to talk to me all the time about. It's not just a New Year's thing. That's, a, that's an all-the-time thing for her. But uh, because it was January, I, I decided to actually engage in that conversation. And, uh, for example, one of the things we talked about was that um, normally I get my annual exercise in at the Southwest Hope 5K. Can I get a what-what? <laughs> Anybody there with me? 5K? Yeah. I don't do a lot of training for that. Um, amazing, I know. Um, but this year, I think I might want to double or even triple the amount of exercise uh, that I'm doing by adding another day or two to that. Um, anybody else out there thinking about uh, what's in store for them this year or even this decade? Maybe some things you want to change? Maybe some things you're looking forward to? Well, a couple of weeks ago, we, uh, as a Missio staff, uh, met for the first time for uh, this year. And just like many of us, we talked about what we believe God has in store for us, Missio, um, in, for 2020. And um, these are some of the things uh, that we talked about that we want to see as a family that's called to bring God's kingdom to this neighborhood that we're in, Southwest Portland. So number one, we want to see a greater understanding of how the gospel speaks into all of life. And we want to see that because this changes how we interact with one another. It changes how we speak the truth to one another. And as someone who, I, I'm the worship pastor here, like I said, and so I'm always thinking about how can I encourage our family to be everyday worshipers, not just Sunday worshipers. And this, I think, is really the key to that, is understanding how the gospel speaks into everything that we do. That's how we become everyday worshipers, as we think about everything that we do as a sacrifice of praise to the Father. Number two, we want to see an increased experience for our community living like family together on mission. This reminds us that we 
need each other, all of our gifts are important, and that we are not alone. And uh, if you're part of an MC, uh, I'm guessing this week you probably started to look at the Church as a Family um, booklet that we're going to read through together. And uh, I know for our MC, um, it was a super productive conversation, and I was amazed at how much we were actually able to talk about it, considering there are just as many kids in our MC going crazy as there are adults trying to talk to each other. Um, but we made it happen, and it was really great. Um, and finally, number three, we want to see a growing desire as a community to engage in justice and restoration in our city. And this desire motivates us to seek and to serve the lonely and the lost and the hurting in our world. This is really just another way of saying that we at Missio feel called to engage in the three relational rhythms that we see in Jesus' life and ministry. And you've probably heard this before, we call those up, in, and out. Our upward focus as a community connects us deeper to the Father's heart and to the gospel. Our inward focus together not only helps us live more like a family, but it also motivates us to go and find new family members. And our outward focus sends us out into the neighborhoods and city as servants and part of God's restoration and redemption and justice in the world. And so that's what we're going to be talking about as a Missio family uh, for the next couple weeks, um, how God calls us into these rhythms of up, in, and out. And today, I'm going to talk with you uh, about the upward focus and um, you'll find that there's a lot of inward elements as well, but that's just kind of how these rhythms work. They're all kind of just tied in together. So I'm focusing on up, um, but in is definitely there. So um, so I'd like to share a very personal story with all of you. Um, this isn't an easy story for me to tell, especially in front of a large group like this. Um, but I'm here and I'm going to do this because I believe two things. I believe that, number one, God is not uptight about our sin. I think God sees our areas of sin as his chance to perform his next miracle in our lives. As we allow God to, he reaches in and takes our greatest failures and turns them into weapons that he puts in our hand to use against the enemy. Number two, I believe healing, which we all want, requires honesty and obedience. And I think healing can only happen when we're honest with the ones we love, and what I'm talking about is confession. Um, so I want to be honest with the ones I love, and I love this church. Um, so those, those are two things that help me stand up here and talk about this today. Um, and because of those things, I, I actually made a vow to myself that I would share this story any place or time that I felt like it was helpful for the person that I was sharing it with. And um, so when Dalton asked me to share this story uh, up front on Sunday in front of all of you, um, I had to check that vow and see if I really believed it or not. Um, because Dalton believed that this story could be helpful for our church to learn to live as a family on mission, growing closer to Jesus and helping others to grow closer to Jesus. And I think Dalton is right, and I trust him. And so here I am to share this story. So here we go. Uh, this is a story about sexual sin, the bondage that held me for many years, 
in my victory over the evil one by the grace and extravagant love of God my Father. My first exposure to pornography came in the form of a Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition that came into my possession by accident. When I use the word pornography, I mean any image that arouses lust in my flesh. I first masturbated before I even knew what it was or what I was doing. And even though I didn't know what I was doing, and even though that magazine came into my possession by accident, it wasn't my fault, there was something inside me that knew that these things were wrong, and I felt that I needed to hide it. I grew up in a Christian home, and the main thing I knew about sex was that good Christian boys and girls didn't do it until they got married. I mostly learned about sex from my friends at school and a book my parents gave me. I do remember one awkward conversation with my dad on a boat in the middle of the lake. Um, we were talking about sex, but honestly, I'm not even sure if we ever said the word sex. <laughs> Uh, I learned very little from that conversation because it was super awkward. I was too embarrassed to ask any questions, and I was actually ashamed of what I already knew and had done at that point. And over the course of school and college, I had more and more freedom. Also, the internet was invented at that time, and so I had more and more access to pornography. And while I struggled with this secret sin, it made me feel really bad about myself. And so I pushed myself to excel in other areas. So I, I worked really hard at school to get good grades, uh, to be an excellent musician. Um, I worked really hard to be a leader in my church. Um, I was leading worship a ton. I was on a bunch of leadership teams with groups at my schools, leader in my youth group, led small groups. I even worked for churches. And so basically, I tried to do a lot of good things to sort of balance the scales of my guilt. Um, and the funny thing is, the more I found myself in leadership positions, the more I felt I had to hide the secret sin, the more inappropriate it was for me. And this led me into uh, what Dr. Ted Roberts calls the noose of addiction. But Dr. Ted, um, I feel like he's a good friend of mine. I've never actually met him, but... <laughs> I've, I've seen him a lot, but he's, he's the founder of uh, Pure Desire Ministries, which puts out the Conqueror series. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about the, that in a minute, but the Conqueror series is basically a group designed for men who are struggling with uh, sexual sin and bondage. Um, but back to the noose of addiction. So um, the noose has four parts. Um, the first part is the root, or the trauma. And this is uh, something in your life that has caused pain uh, that you need to cope with or medicate. Um, the mindset uh, is a mindset of shame, feeling ashamed of your behavior, guilty about what you've done. Um, the lifestyle, which is a, a cycle of binge and purge, so giving into your addiction and then vowing you'll never do it again, and then giving into the addiction and vowing you'll never do it again. It's this lifestyle of binge, purge, binge, purge. Um, and then finally the cloak, um, which is denial, secrets, um, and just this feeling of having to hide your addiction and hide the things that you're doing. And the reason it's called a noose is because for an addict, the harder you try to 
sort of beat this addiction, the tighter the noose gets around your neck and the more dangerous it gets. And as I was just saying, I was pulling with all I had. I was trying everything I could think of to try to balance out my guilt um, and even to try to beat this thing on my own. And so, uh, you know, many times I vowed to myself, I'm never going to look at porn or masturbate again. And then so many times I failed miserably and made that vow. I just lived in that cycle. Um, I told myself, I'm strong enough to beat this. I can do this. And then I will never have to tell anyone about it because I can just beat it on my own. And then no one will ever know how gross and disgusting I am. And when I couldn't do that, I prayed, God, please take this away from me. Lead me not into temptation. Heal me from this. And when that didn't work, um, I thought, well, once I get married and I can actually have sex, then I won't need porn or masturbation again. <laughs> and in all of that, the news just tightened and tightened. Now, eventually, I did meet a wonderful woman named Becky. She quickly filled my world and my mind and pushed porn to the side. And after a few months of dating her, I actually felt safe enough to tell her that I had struggled with porn, but that that was in the past. A little over a year after we met, we got married. We enjoyed this glorious honeymoon phase. It wasn't perfect. There were bumps along the way, but we had each other. We could have sex. And I hadn't looked at porn for a long time. And I, I thought it was in my past. I thought, finally, this was the thing that, that got me past it. And I don't know exactly when it started up again. It was slow and gradual enough that I could deny to myself that I was slipping back in. I have a vague memory of looking at porn on my phone late at night while Becky and my newborn daughter were sleeping in the room. And at that point, I couldn't deny it anymore. I was looking at porn again, and now all my hope was lost. This was the lowest point for me in the journey. Probably the lowest point in my life. I had to face the fact that this was beating me, and I had nothing left to fight back with. So I began to hide my sin again. And this time it was harder. And I felt way more guilt. Um, because it wasn't just about me anymore. I was lying to Becky. Which I never thought I would do. I had a newborn daughter and she had a disgusting pervert and liar for a father. This time, we were actually uh, attending Missio. Becky and I were serving as volunteers in the worship ministry, and um, Andrew Wilson, who was the worship pastor at the time, asked me to get coffee. He told me that he felt God was urging him to invite me into a worship apprentice role at Missio. And I told him what I had told many people before, which is I never want to work for a church. Um, here's why. 
pastors don't make any money. Uh, there's too much dumb politics, arguing, and hurt feelings. And you can't possibly make everyone happy with the type of music you play, or with anything else that you do, for that matter. And <laughs> can I get an amen? No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, I've seen both pastors and churches hurt by all of these things. Um, and then I'd also seen the dreaded moral failure that we see too often in our pastors and church leaders. And it was bad enough to lead a double life of good Christian on the outside and miserable sinner on the inside as a member of the worship team. That was bad enough, but I didn't want to do it as an actual pastor that worked for the church. But even in all that, all my reasons and excuses, um, I did feel that God was urging me to use my gifts for his church and not just for myself. I felt the call of leadership my whole life, and I always thought in the back of my mind that I would probably end up as a worship pastor. And when I shared all this with Becky, she said, well, if you feel God is calling you to worship ministry, then you can say no to this apprenticeship role, but he's just going to keep calling you. He's just going to come back around. And so with that incredibly wise input from my wife, uh, we decided that I would take the apprentice role. Although if I'm honest, I was at least partially doing it just so that I could say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. So happy God, can we move on now? But part of that apprenticeship uh, process was to study some leadership books together in a small group uh, with Dom, Andrew, and Aaron Trung. And I remember reading a passage about God's love for us. It said that God wanted to love us completely and that it was up to us to let him or not. And if we held something, anything, back from God, we weren't letting him love us completely. And that actually made me think about my marriage and how badly I wanted to have a healthy, successful, and lasting one. I realized that I was holding part of myself back from Becky and therefore not allowing her to love me fully. And I knew if I continued to let that happen that we would just grow farther and farther apart and most likely divorce at some point. That for me was unacceptable. And so on the drive home from our MC meeting that week, I confessed to Becky that I was looking at porn and masturbating again. As you can imagine, Becky was devastated. And that word doesn't even seem strong enough. Um, you see, Becky's father wasn't faithful to her mom in their marriage. And in our premarital counseling, she told me that she didn't think she could forgive me if I ever did that to her. To this day, I don't understand the grace that she showed me. Within a few days, she said she wanted to help me get better. But she also said she couldn't be my accountability, because that was too painful. Now at this time, I had felt I needed to confess my sin to Becky. But she could see that in order to be healed, I needed to walk in the light and share my struggles with others. So she told me I had, that I had to tell my apprenticeship group. And that was the last thing I wanted to do. Um, but as soon as she said it, I knew she was right. So I confessed to my group the next week. And I don't know what I expected. I did not expect it to be good. 
Um, but I was shown the love of Jesus uh, by those three men. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I just remember that verse standing out to me uh, so strong in that moment because I really didn't feel condemned by them. I felt loved and I felt compassion. Now I wish I could say that from that moment on I was instantly healed and I never looked at porn or masturbated again. The truth is that was about six years ago and I can only claim about a year and a half of sobriety from masturbating. As far as porn, the images that arouse lust in me are all around, and the truth is that it's just about impossible to avoid them altogether in the society that we live in. That being said, I walk in weekly accountability with a group of men, and I've taken many steps to protect myself from harmful images, including deleting Instagram, Facebook apps from my phone, um, as well as installing accountability software on all the devices that I use. Now this process of walking in accountability is my personal experience of what we see in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-10. through 10. So I want to read that. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So I've shared with a fair amount of good friends what I would be talking about today, and I've been completely blown away by the support and prayers that have been offered on my behalf this week. I've had countless text messages and just words of encouragement from folks, and if that wasn't enough, I sat down to soap yesterday, um, and the, the verse that uh, it was on was, was uh, verse 9 from that. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I was just blown away by, by the power of confession. Um, because when you confess to someone your sin, they are able to see the love of Jesus in that moment. And you're able to experience the love of Jesus in a way that you, you just can't on your own. So now, I lead conquer groups, and I help other men struggle with the same sexual bondage that I do. Together we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and God really has taken my most shameful secret sin and turned it into a weapon that I now use to come against the gates of hell in the hearts and minds of my brothers. If you're part of the worship ministry, you've heard part of the story before. Um, the part where I said I didn't want to be a pastor for all of these reasons. And 
really, I list all those reasons, but what I was really saying under all those reasons is that I thought I was too good for that job. I thought I was above it. But recently I was telling that story and something hit me like a ton of bricks. Those were my surface reasons for not wanting to be a pastor. But now when I look back on it, I can see that the real reason is I actually didn't think I was good enough to be a pastor. Because Satan had embedded that lie into my mind through the pain of this secret sin. Sometimes I say that I, I didn't even really start following Jesus until I stepped into that apprenticeship group. The truth is that stepping into that group and telling Becky about my secret sin were the first real steps of obedience to God that I had taken in a long time. And those steps freed me from a bond that held me back from experiencing the love of Jesus, which is way better motivation for following him than just trying to do a bunch of good things to make up for how guilty you feel about the bad things that you've done. And I want each of you to know the power of that love and freedom. I want each of you to know how much God really does love you and that his grace really is enough for you. I want you to know that God has a plan for you to bring his kingdom into this world and a role for you to play in it. And all he requires is your obedience to just say yes to him. So back to the relational rhythms of up, in, and out. Now, I didn't know it, but my up artery was seriously clogged. And because of that, my in and my out arteries were suffering as well. Are you feeling frustration or discontent with your life, your ministry, your relationships? Do you have trouble believing that God will never let you down? You might have a similar problem to what I have. And because of my own experience, I can say with confidence that there are men and women in this room today that are struggling with secret sin and are hiding in shame. And I believe that for some of you, it's the same sin that I struggle with. And if it is, don't wait. Join me in the next round of Conquer. I will walk with you. So talk to me. If that's too hard, email me. Send me a text. If you don't know what to say to your spouse, I will help you learn from my mistakes. <laughs> Healing and freedom are waiting for you. I do just want to take a moment also just to say that sexual addiction is not just a problem for men. It's a problem for women, and it's a growing, scary-as-hell problem for our children. A few sites I researched indicated that the average age of a child's first exposure to porn is around 11 years old. I also want to just quickly throw up some numbers from the Barna Research Group. Um, these percentages show the number of people who regularly seek out pornography in each of these uh, groups. So you can see it's not just a man's problem, it is a problem for women as well. And, and if it is a problem for you, uh, the Pure Desire, the thing I mentioned earlier, please go to their site. They have lots of resources uh, to help. 
I also want to say that while pornography is a significant problem, and it is the one that I'm focusing on today, it's just one of the many addictions that the devil uses to try to separate us from the love of God. Whatever it is that's going on in your heart, you don't have to fight alone. And I hope that you can see in my story that fighting alone is not a good idea. It doesn't work. And that's what the church is for. That's what Missio is here for. We say we exist to be an authentic community that makes Jesus fully known so that others can come to fully know him. And my story is a testament to the power of that authentic community. The only thing I ever did that helped me conquer that sin and experience the love of God was to share it with others. Now, being an authentic community is usually harder and messier than we realize. But things we're doing are often difficult. So let's be an authentic community. Walking in the light, having fellowship with one another, and let's just see how the love of God grips us and changes us in that obedience. Let's unlock our potential to make the love of Jesus known to others by experiencing it ourselves first. In order to do that, we need to learn to be vulnerable with one another, as well as loving and gentle with those who are vulnerable with us. So I want to leave you um, with just a few questions for you to ponder and consider. What is something that you need to share or confess? What's a burden that you're carrying alone? A secret sin? Or like I got to share today, what is a testimony of good news that you have of God's love and faithfulness from this past week that you can share with others in conversations that... Um, that was more for the leadership team as we gather and meet our people today, but for all of us to share with one another. Um, even as you leave today, uh, what's, what's a story that you can share with someone? And if it's one of those first three, you know, I want you to also just be thinking about who you can share that with. Someone from your MC, um, you know, maybe a team lead if you're serving somewhere and there's a team lead, or me, someone from the pastoral staff. Um, We want to be vulnerable with you. So as we move into a time of communion, which is a time when we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, that makes it possible for us to experience God's love, I just want to leave you with this passage uh, from Revelations uh, chapter 12. Um, and I want this to be our vision of the victory that we have over the evil one because of Jesus. It says, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Let's pray. God, your love is so good. I'm just so grateful um, that I've been able to experience it 
And I'm so grateful for your word that led me to a place where I could experience it. So God, let your word speak today. Let your word be the thing that motivates us, that moves us, that gives us the strength and courage we need to take the actions that are necessary to be an authentic community that's coming to know you more ourselves and in turn helping others to come to know you better. Because God, we want to see your healing and your goodness come in our own lives and in our own relationships, but in this world. So Holy Spirit, come. Speak to us now, even as we respond in worship and as we respond by taking uh, Jesus, your body and your blood into ourselves to remember your great love and to remember that you poured those out for us. God, we love you and we trust you enough to do the hard thing of being vulnerable and naked and unashamed because of your great love. In your name we pray. Amen.